0: In the 90s, it was Seinfeld, uh, a show. You know, what's it about? Well, a show about nothing. And, um, and also, there was Friends kind of in the 90s and the 2000s. And um, then, then there was one of my personal favorites, The Office. And then, um, yeah, I like it. Thanks, Pam. Uh, hey, don't worry, we're engaged too, Ricky. Um, so, uh, The Office, and then there was Parks and Rec, uh, love that show, um, but, but they all have kind of one thing in common with them, and all these shows that we re- really gravitate to is they're all this sense of, of community, of, of friendships, of, of belonging, of uh, family. I mean, even think of movies, you know, family. Uh, you know, you see that in the, the great Christian movie Shazam, um, you know, or other great Christian movies like The Avengers. Um, one of, uh, I love The Avengers, and and one of my favorite lines actually from The Avengers is in Age of Ultron, and there's Tony Stark, Iron Man, you know, for some of you, the lay people that, you know, don't know, that. Uh, but uh, Iron Man, he's talking to the rest of The Avengers, but mainly to Captain America, and he's talking about this battle that. That they're going to be facing, and just kind of the threat uh, from different people uh, that's coming their way. And he says, how do you, Iron Man asks him, how do you plan on beating them? And then Captain America says, together. And then he says, we'll lose. And then Captain America says, then we'll do that together too. And it's just like, oh, man, I just remember it's like, yeah. And that's why we love Captain America, because he pulls off great one-liners like that, right? But, but it's, we, we all love this idea of like, hey, wait a minute, of team, of family, of belonging, of community. We're drawn to it. We, we want it. And again, even just all these hugely popular movies and shows show us the craving that we have inside of us. And I would say that actually doesn't just come out of nowhere, that that actually starts with God, that craving that we have is because God is a communal God. God is a trinity. He he is, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so God is actually in perfect, loving, belonging relationship within himself. And then we know from Genesis 1, and God made them, male and female, in his own image. Right, and so you are made in God's image. And God is a communal, communal God, and so like even that that urging inside of you comes out of who God has made you, comes out of the very just nature of God, and you feel that in you, right? You long for to have meaningful relationships with people. I mean, even notice it in little kids. I mean, I have little kids, and when do they feel really off? When they don't sense that at school, right? When they don't sense that on the playground. They feel, wait a minute, something's off, right? You you like it that you're committed to somebody, somebody's committed to you, and right now we're going through our core values. Things that we, that we just kind of put a stake in the ground for us as a church. Things that we, want to, that we believe in and that we want to be, be pursuing together as a church family. And so we start off with down, just that's the gospel. That Jesus has come down to save you, uh, to rescue us from sin. It's nothing that we could do of ourselves, but it's totally because of the work of Jesus Christ. And then uh, last week, Alex walked us through up, that we're, we want to become more like Christ. We want to pursue him, have him shape us, spiritual formation. In is intentional Christ centered relationships, and the next week is out. And so, to, um, you know, that we're moving out to the world, out to make disciples, to share the gospel with uh, people that don't know them. And so today, it's, it's just going over that core value of in, of community, of having these intentional relationships uh, with one another, to love one another, to care for one another, to help each other know Christ. Because Jesus. Um, he saves us to restore our communion with God vertically, but also to restore and redeem our relationships horizontally with one another. Um, you know, he doesn't just, God, Jesus didn't just come and die, pay the price for sin and raise again so that we can have daily devotions sometime later. You know, he didn't come to create an audience. Jesus came to, to come to make a family, to make a new people. That they would look differently, that they would be differently in their relationships with one another and that the world would see that and be like, there's something different with that. You know, that the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another, not by your large audience, right? It's, it's something that's different. And so we all long for this. Um, and today in Romans 12, we're just going to see three things. that we, uh, What a humble community is, an empowered community, and a loving community. So a humble community, an empowered community, and a loving community. So if you've got a Bible, open it up, and hey, parents, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. One of the reasons that we do Family Sundays is to help you disciple your kids. So today is a great opportunity for you to not just say to your kid, oh, hey, the Word of God's important, but for you to model it because they see you getting in the Word of God. They see you worshiping. They see you opening up. So I just encourage you, hey, open up the word of God. Romans 12, it's in the New Testament, pretty far back there. If you get to 1 Corinthians, gone a little too far. So Romans 12, um, and and we're uh, we're just going to be looking at um, the attitude of community, that it's a humble community. And so um, before we read it, you know, uh, in in verse 3, I want you to notice what does this all come out of? Look at verses 1-2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, and when, he, when Paul says therefore, he's saying, hey, all of these other chapters that I've been talking to you about, the gospel, you can't save yourself. You're only saved by Christ. You're reconciled uh, to God through Christ. You're justified. All of these things. You still have this ongoing struggle with sin, but God's given you his Holy Spirit. Therefore, in light of all of this, brothers and sisters, because of, the, of what Jesus has done for you, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Right? Like that it's, hey, because of what Christ has done for you, that moves you to worship God with your lives. To, in every area of your life, and then verse 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be different, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And so, he, therefore, because of the gospel, your life is different in how you worship God. And then he jumps to this, all of these things. And now, this, in light of that, how you want to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that it's worshiping to God that's not conformed to the ways of this world. He continues on. This isn't just like an utter break from that. And so notice that as he jumps into what does it mean to be a community together, it's in light of the, in view of the mercies of God. When you look at the goodness of God, when you look at the gospel of God, when you look at his mercies, that's what moves you to not just love him, but to love others. Right, and so because there's a lot of commandments here, and as we're looking through that, just keep in mind, what does this come out of? It comes out of the, the mercies of God, out of out of the gospel, and so this this moves us together there. And so, verse three, for by the grace given to me, I tell you that everyone among you, not to should not think highly more highly of themselves then you should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. And so, I yeah, we talking about a, a humble community. And Paul, when he's talking about what does it mean to be community, he, he kind of starts with this sense of, of pride or of or just this attitude of how do we view ourselves? Don't think more highly of yourself than you should. And again, looking at verses one and two and all of everything that Paul's talked about, he's saying like, hey, what has the gospel taught you about you? That, that word sensibly just means accurately. Be, be, think of yourself sanely in, in your right mind. The gospel helps you think rightly about yourself, not too high, not, not too low, right? The, the gospel teaches you that you are needy that, that you can't fix yourself, that you don't have what it takes to make yourself right with God, that, that you, yeah, that you, I, that, that we're sinful, broken, messy people, and that you don't have what it takes, because if you did have what it takes, then Jesus wouldn't have come to die in your place. And knowing that, that destroys any kind of sense of self-sufficiency that you have for yourself. Any sense of pride? Hey, man, I'm something. Well, the gospel teaches you that you're a sinner that's, you know, separated from God and can't get back to him on your own. And so, so it, it's showing you that, that man, how, how we know about ourselves in, in terms of the, 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 excuse me, the scriptures and the gospel, it shapes how we think about ourselves. Man, I'm completely dependent on God, his grace, what he has done for me. So, so it's like, man, hey, because the gospel, you can't think too highly of yourself. On the flip side, the gospel teaches you, though, that you can't think too lowly of yourself. You are cherished. Not because you bring something to the table. It's not because of your resume. It's not because of how much money you make. It's not because of how you look, how you treat your kids, how you treat others. You are cherished by God because he just cherishes you and loves you. Man, you can't think too junky about yourself. God... God has, you know, if you've trusted in Christ, God has placed his spirit in you. He, he, he's moving in you. He's working in you. And so, man, you can't think too lowly of yourself knowing, hey, but what does the creator of the universe think about me? And, and so when he says um, there in verse three to, that, um, that he should think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one, Many times we could think, you know, there in verse 4 that he's talking about an amount of faith. What he's talking about there is, is a standard of faith. And, and so, hey, your, your standard of faith, the thing that you measure your faith with, it's not like, oh, hey, you have 80% faith, you have 90% faith, but the standard measure of you, of your faith, is the gospel, is the finished work of Christ, because of what he has done. He's paid the price for your sins. He died in your place, and each and every single one of us is only made right to God through Christ. We're only made righteous through, through him, and we've all received the same spirit. You know, you're one body, one faith, one baptism, one spirit. It talks about that in Ephesians. And so, hey, the gospel overturns all of this for any of us in the world. To kind of even what the world pushes us to do is to think really highly of ourselves and maybe lowly of other people. But we all have this common salvation in Jesus. And so, in the church, we all have equal standing. In the church, because of the gospel. It's not like, oh, oh, varsity Christian here in Ricky. More like, well, none of us were thinking that, Ricky. We all kind of know you're JV, right? Right? <laughs> but we all have equal standing. Hey, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think too lowly of yourself. Also, hey, that encourages you of how, if you're gonna be moving towards community, which Paul is talking about here, that encourages how do you view everybody else around you? Hey, we have a common struggle with sin. We have a common problem that we can't, We're by ourselves, we're totally lost, but we have a common salvation in the grace and power and love of Christ. And so any times, I mean, just, just practically on one level, anything that we come that can divide us right we all have different views of sports teams we all have different views of politics or of of mass or there's all these things that can divide us but here's the thing what unites us is far greater than anything that can divide us because we are united in and by and through christ and he is bigger than anything and so, so because of that verse, verses four, hey, because that's who you are, don't think too highly of yourself. Verse four, now we as many parts in one body, and, and all the parts do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Maybe your version in verse five says we all belong to one another. Hey, you're not just a church, uh, you know, Christian member, whatever, off by yourself, no, you're, we all belong to one another. We're members of one another. And so Paul is talking about this sense of, of belonging in, in, in scripture over and over again. It just says, hey, you're, it, it refers to, to believers, to Christians in very familial ways, brothers and sisters. Hey, we're, we're all the children of God. Not just random individuals, but this sense of belonging that we have together again we're not we're not just an audience we're not even an audience that just come to listen to some guy talk but you brothers and sisters you friends you family in 1 Corinthians 12 it, it emphasizes what is here that we're one body it said and then that we belong to one another it said verse 12:15 if the foot should say because i'm not a hand i do not belong to the body it is not for that reason any less part of the body as it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And so as we belong to one another in, in a community, in a family, we're all interdependent, inter, interdependent of, on one another. Because of what Jesus has, has done on the cross and the resurrection, yes, we belong to him, but we belong to each other. And we need each other. You know, if, if we don't think accurately, this, has, this is how it kind of ties with verse 3, if we don't think accurately of ourselves, if we think too highly of ourselves, we'll be like, I don't need you. Right? The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You ain't like me. That's why Paul is encouraging us to have this humility, this, this attitude, because, hey, if, we're, if we don't think too highly of ourselves, we, won't, we don't have that attitude that we don't think, hey, I don't need you, whatever. Also, if we think too lowly of ourselves, we'll think, "Well, but you don't need me, right? Isn't that—that's kind of the flip side. It's like, "Well, I have nothing to offer. I'm—I'm I'm not like that person." Verse, remember First Corinthians fifteen, that because I'm—I'm I'm not a hand, then I guess I just don't belong. Jesus is the one who creates us to belong to one another. Not somebody else's gift, not somebody else's talent, not somebody else's how much this they know. It is Christ. And God has designed us so that we belong to one another and so that we even need one another. There's, there is nothing more helpless or more in trouble than a disconnected part of the body. What happens to a part of your actual, just physical body if it gets disconnected from the rest of the body, like if you just cut off a finger, what happens to it? Hopefully, don't you don't do that, right? You know, in case it's like, oh, Ricky said, no, 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 right? Yeah, it just shrivels up. It's 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 dead, and it becomes lifeless. That's what happens to a disconnected believer. And the the Bible the Bible says in First Peter. That Satan rolls, roams around like a roaring, or prowls around like a roaring lion looking for who he may devour. I don't know if you've watched a lot of Animal Planet or any of those things, but, but man, you watch them and those predators, what are they always looking for? They're not going right into the middle of the pack of the herd. They're looking on the outside. Hey, who's disconnected out there? Let's see which one is isolated. And that's the same thing that happens in our lives. Satan's roaming around. Hey, who's disconnected? Who's out there on their own? Easy pickings. And, and one thing I, I just want to encourage, you know, you, you guys, and we've, we've even just prayed for this as a staff. And, and hey, I get it. Let, let's just kind of admit COVID stinks, right? Whatever your thoughts are on it, it just doesn't matter. We, I think we're all in the same boat of, like, this isn't great. <laughs> I don't know anybody's like, man, this has been awesome, man. I can't wait for this to last another 10 years and i get it there there are people that have that 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 are more cautious than others and, and hey i mean there's people in my family that that are immune compromised and i get that i would just say as we we go on in this let's not let online sermons become the norm right like i get it that there are good reasons to be cautious and if that's you totally fine i'm not saying just be who cares, right? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, as things go on and as things move forward, whatever that looks like, and if you're able, it's really easy for each one of us to drift out of community. And that might, that might start with being online. That might start with a different thing, but I just say, hey, that let's not let anyone be disconnected. That's the part of the body that shrivels up and dies. And so community, it starts with this, this humility, this attitude. Hey, I do need other people. God has created me not just for this individual relationship with with him, but for community. But also, God has created me with something to offer. And that's where he takes us next, is an empowered community. So verse 4, now now as we have many parts in one body, we don't all have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse 6, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, teaching. If exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, um, showing mercy with cheerfulness. So we're this empowered community. You know what has not happened to me? I've not had anybody come up to me and say, man, Ricky, so we have this very large project. And in this project, there are just a lot of details that need to be hashed out. There's a lot of organization that needs to take place. And we need somebody to do that. And we think you're the guy. (laughs) Let's do this. That has just not happened to me. Um, I remember when I started to be uh, back in ministry and I was a, I was a youth pastor, I, I, I had vision, right? I, you know, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this trip. I had content. This is what we're going to teach to get into the Word of God. Had all these things. Got, get all the kids. We're ready to go. I think we're heading to Missouri. Yeah. Hey, where do we put all of our stuff in our sleeping bags? Huh. I didn't think about that. Uh, I'm going to go to U-Haul and go get a trailer. Whoop. Uh, <laughs> That literally happened, but, um, you know, we, we need uh, other people. I mean, we have this marriage conference coming up. Yeah, I, you know, I had ideas, I had vision, I get with Eric and Tish, hey, let's get together, let's corroborate, hey, where do we want to go with this, what, what, what are we thinking, planning out for this, great, but if you're going next week and you're like, wow, this was really planned out well, that wasn't me, that was Pam. And praise God that it's not just about me and my gifts, because things would be a lot stinkier around here, <laughs> right? That'll go great because of other people. And, and, and so we all have these different gifts that God has given us. And, and I'm not going to great detail of like, oh, this gift means this, and this is what this exactly is. But here's the point. If you've trusted in Christ, you have at least one spiritual gift, but you don't have all of them. Right, from, from the earlier verses in this, we're, we're about to have an accurate view of ourselves. And so in that, with, with the gifts of the Spirit, we're not to look down on other gifts. Oh, hey, that's less significant. We're not to think more highly of ourselves because we have a, maybe a, a, a certain kind of gift. Your gift is exactly that. It's a gift. That means someone gave it to you. You didn't just conjure it up. The gift that you have, whatever that spiritual gift is, God gave that to you through his Holy Spirit. And so that means that you're not, the, you're, the, you're, for you and your gift, you're not dependent on yourself, you're dependent on God. And why do you have the gift that you have? To build up the church, to build up the, the people of God. Paul, Paul mentions you know, the gifts, gifts right after he just said, you're members of one another. You belong to each other. And so ultimately, even that gift that you have, whatever that is, you're, it's not about you. Your gift is not about you. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God and to the body of Christ. And in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Why? To equip the saints, the people of God, for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. And it says, let us grow in every way into him who's ahead. That's Christ from the, whom him, the whole body, fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love for the proper working of each individual. Man, that's awesome. And we all are wired different ways, given different gifts to help each other grow. So that, it man, as it's knitted together, man, it, it moves us towards Christ. And so here's, here's what that means. We, we like to think of our relationship with God that it's just a personal relationship with God. And it is personal. When you've trusted in Christ, you, you uh, have been brought, you were far away, and now you've been brought near to Christ. You're reconciled to God through Christ into this relationship with him. Not into religion, not into just a set of beliefs or, or, or cooler morality. No, it's you get God in this personal, real way with him relationship. However, your relationship with God is not only personal. It's communal. Maybe even primarily Communal. And so we're not meant to to live life by ourselves. We're not meant to grow closer to Christ by ourselves. You and I need the other gifts that other people have. We all need each other that God has empowered. Something that we say around here a lot is this, discipleship happens in relationships. Growing closer to Christ happens in relationships. And so that means we all have something to gain from others, but we also have something to give. How many of you have been to a restaurant this past week? Awesome, five of us. Man, middle section, come on, interact here. Um, good job, fringes. Um, I mean, I love eating out. This past week, I went to Hacienda Real. I don't want to brag, but I happened to win my, my uh, fantasy football team so uh, league. So, yay. Um, but you go there, and it's like, okay, you go to a restaurant, and you're like, okay, hey, I'll take this. I'll have one of these. Please make sure it's cooked like this. Please make sure that it has extra sauce. Um, Hey, what would you like to drink? I'll take a Diet Coke because I'm going to smash all these chips and salsa and bean dips. So let's offset that with a Diet Coke. Um, You know, what do you mean, Ricky? You could totally not drink Diet if you wanted to. Thanks, guys. Um, And so if you go to a restaurant, you kind of think, oh, man, hey, this... These, these kinds of thoughts go through your mind. Well, yeah, hey, the service is really good today. Oh, gosh, my food isn't really cooked or prepared the way that I want it to. Hey, man, this refill has been sitting here a while. And you may even go online, onto a Facebook page, whatever that might be, and then you either uh, in talk, give it a good review or maybe you complain about the service that you get. Why do you do that? Well, because when you go to a restaurant, you're a consumer. You're a customer. And let's face it, many times when we think about church and coming to church, we approach it the same way. Man, how's the music doing it for me today? Is this, I don't know if I really like that song. Oh, man. Gosh, why is Alex not as funny as Ricky? You know, I get it. Yeah. You know, see right there, consumer. You know, I didn't, I didn't really like that joke. But it seemed to, everybody else liked it. But, you know, we're, we think things like that. Hey, how's, how's, how's the preaching? How are the lights? Do I like it like this? Man, this coffee, meh, I don't know. Because we approach it that, hey, I have come here as a customer. I've come here to consume something. But let's contrast that with a family meal. Now, if one of my kids starts griping about the food, ooh, ooh, I guess you don't get to eat. (laughs) How does that feel? Because you're like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. This is, and I mean, you know, if you're at a family meal, it's not just up to one person to do everything. Hey, you wanna grab some napkins? Hey, would you get cups? Hey, somebody set the table. Somebody grab some silverware. Jesus didn't die and rise again for us to have consumer-driven church services on Sunday. Right? He, he died to make a family that builds each other up. Hey, you have something to contribute. You're not a consumer. You're not a customer. You're a contributor to one another because you belong to one another. And I've given you gifts. Why? To build each other up in Christ. Being encouraged and reminded of who Jesus is. And so, I mean, just practically for us as a church, one of the main things that we're not gonna do is work super, super hard to try to craft an experience for you on a Sunday. Now, I'm not saying that other churches that do that, that they're wrong. That's awesome, God uses that. But I just say, hey, we're not here to like super cater to you and to make some amazing experience. I mean, granted, we don't wanna have it to be boring, Right? We don't want it to be like without Christ, obviously, but we're just not going to mainly work at that. I mean, even one of the reasons that we have donuts and coffee, praise God, right? That, I mean, one of it, I just like it for my kids. It's like, oh, hey, I don't know. There's donuts. Get in the car. Um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a help. Um, or even you know, for Ricky, let's go. Oh, yeah, there's donuts. Let's go. Um, but, but it's also, hey, as we eat together, families eat together, man, we want to practice hospitality, and we just want, I mean, people connect around food to the glory of God. Praise God. Amen. And so it's just like, hey, let's do that together as a family. And so being this empowered community where people have different gifts, where people have different skills that are meant to be used to encourage and build one another's up, That means that we're consumers, or we're not consumers, we're contributors. We're not observers, we're owners. When you use your gift, whatever that might be, that actually unlocks the deeper purposes of what God has for you. God's purpose for you is to not come here, sit and chill, but to use you in different ways. And and if you ever notice, and I've, I've been in ministry for about 17 years, I I would say I've seen this over and over again. When somebody's life with Christ really starts to really take off is when they start contributing, when they start doing something, when they start being active. And we understand this in all other different areas of life. I mean, if, if in sports, I've never just seen somebody just watch football games over and over and over again, and then suddenly I'm like, you're an amazing player, right? No, you're not. You're just a good person that sits on a couch and then gripes about the calls, that's it, right? But when you notice somebody actually really growing is when they start getting in the game, when they start doing those things. And so, man, you, you want to really grow in your relationship with Christ? Man, have them start using you in some way. You want to just feel more alive? That, I mean, because Christianity sometimes we think is boring. Let's face it. And I'd say most of the times we think it's boring is because we think we're here to watch something rather than to participate in something. And so, man, when you come to church, think, man, what role am I supposed to have? How can I serve? Now, for, for some of you might be thinking, I don't know, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. And I'd say the best way for you to discover what this, your spiritual gift, your talents, your skills, whatever those might be, just start getting involved. The community of God will encourage you in that. Again, nobody's, nobody's asking me, hey, you wanna help out with worship? They've spoken, right? And yo, we we don't need you, Ricky. just go sit over there and encourage people from over there, right? I mean, for for me, I would say, man, how did I start to think that I had some sort of teaching or preaching skills? It was because other people affirmed me in that. How did I grow a lot in that? The body of Christ. And so whatever your gift might be, I just say, just start. The community of God will, will tell you what those are, help you grow in that. We're contributors, not consumers. I heard somebody say this. Satan doesn't, feel th- uh, Satan doesn't feel super threatened if we just listen to or watch sermons. But when the people of God start using their gifts for the good of others and for the glory of God, we're this united body of Christ, and he does his best work. God does his best work when the whole body is, is working together. And so we're this humble community, we're an empowered community, and last, we're a loving community. Look at verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy, or let your love be genuine. Detest evil, cling to what is good. Um, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal, be fervent in the Spirit, serve the Lord rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer, share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality. And we're to love one another, right? I mean, all of this kind of happens because the love that Christ has for us encourages us to love one another. Again, Jesus said, hey, this is how the world will know that you are my followers, that you're my disciples, by your love for one another. At the end of the day, it's not an eloquent or an intelligent defense, of Christianity, defense of the faith that convinces the world of the truth of the gospel. It's the love of the church. Francis Schaeffer said, love on display in the church is Jesus' final apologetic to the world. And let your love be genuine without hypocrisy. Now I know that that's an easy thing to say, but it's a really hard thing to do. Because why? Because sometimes people are really hard to love because you don't like them. Right? I mean, is there, a, amen. Um, right? There's sometimes just like, gosh, that person's really hard to love. And they're really draining. Or, or they're annoying. Or we, we man, we don't really always agree on everything. They bug you. And I get that. So then how do we continue to love people who are sometimes hard to love? Verse one. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy not in view of how awesome they are, in view of how awesome God is. Man, that person that's hard to love, man, remember that God loved you. God loved you when you were, Romans 5, 8, still a sinner. God loved you when you were hard to love. God loved you when you were annoying. Not not at your best. Man, and if God loves you like that, then I could love somebody else like that. Say, what is evil? Um, or, yeah, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Love is grounded in God's truth. I'd say one of the things that a a loving community does is we're able to share each other the hard things. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Sometimes love means speaking the truth in love. Kind of calling somebody out, hey, man, I don't think that's super healthy. Hey, what is... You know, encouraging each other to, to repent, to turn away from sin, and to turn to God. Verse 10, love each other deeply as brothers and sisters. Again, using this familial language. Yes, we, we have, one of the things that Nebraska is really great at is we're very family-oriented with our nieces, nephews, our, our kind of bloodline family. But the one thing that's actually going to be for eternity is your bloodbought family. People that have been bought by the blood of Christ. And man, one thing I love for us more and more is, hey, take those, those, those good values, those good kind of expressions that we have with our bloodline family, with you know, our cousins or whatever, mom, dad, and start to live those out together. I mean, there's, there's people, maybe it's people in a city group. I get it, you might go to your niece's basketball game. Hey, maybe go to somebody in your city group's basketball game doesn't mean you have to go to all of them. That's fine. But maybe just check one of them out because you belong to one another. So be devoted to one another. Um, And then uh, verse um, 11, do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Again, this sits in the context of being community here. So we're not to lack zeal, lack lack, um, just kind of passion for something in seeing God work in somebody else's life. You know, we, we, as we serve the Lord, we serve each other. We, wanna, we want God to use us in helping other people grow f- uh, towards Christ. We pray for one another. Verse um, 13, share with the saints in their needs. Um, in a family, the problems that are experienced by one family member become the problems of every family member. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We love each other in, in action. We help each other in our needs. We open up our lives, open up our homes to those in need. And, and now, let's just admit it. Here in South Lincoln, in Lincoln in general, how do you know somebody else needs anything? Because we're really great at not letting people know we need anything. Hey, how's life? Great. You? Spectacular. Spectacular. Cool, see you next week. Right, and we, we, we like to put on a happy face. We like to pretend everything's okay. We like to keep any hard things to ourselves because why? We'll figure it out. We'll grit it out, and we'll do it. But to be part of a family, if we're meant to love one another, help each other in our needs, part of that is letting other people know your needs. That might be sin, that might be pain, that might be struggles. James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And we we, we live in this world, we live in a society that encourages us to think that sin is no big deal, to put on a happy face, figure it out. Everything's okay. But here, let's just say this, the reality is, is sometimes things aren't okay. In our lives, in our sin, in our struggles, in our pain, in our shame. Several months ago, I was, I was at the gym doing some incline bench, and I, I think I'd done about seven or eight reps. And I thought, you know what? Let's try to get one more. You know, it was kind of a, kind of a lighter day. I was only doing like 300 pounds or so. <laughs> so I'm like, let's do it one more time. Bar goes down. <laughs> whoa, Nelly, you know, and it just stops. And you're just like, this is not happening. And so the bar goes down again. And it's just sitting there on my chest. And I'm looking around and I'm like, man, you know, a spot would be great. This thing has clips on it. And this weight's going nowhere uh, unless somebody helps me really move this thing. So I'm just sitting there and I'm looking around. I'm like, man, everybody's oblivious to the weak guy over here on the incline bench. Nobody, nobody's near me. And I'm like, I give it a while. And eventually, it's just like, there's, nobody's noticing this, and nobody's close enough to me to be like, hey, hey. And so, I mean, it helped. I was on the incline. I just kind of rolled it down. And then you kind of look around like, whatever, nothing happened. <laughs> um, and, but, but it was like, um, th- then actually it was funny because a couple days later, I see a guy and he's just on the flat bench and, and he's got a lot of weight there and I'm noticing him and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't think this is going to turn out too good. It reminds me of someone, um, not me, but someone I know. And, and, and it's just not going. And this thing's just sitting on his chest. And I go over to move, get, get closer to him to help him out. And, and he, it's like he just, he just jog, you know, has the weight and just jogs it off there and it just falls off. Now, I was in need, but there was nobody available. Nobody that I could see that would help me. He was in need but didn't want it. You, everybody needs a spot. Every, you, you will have something in your life, either in the past, in the future, or maybe right now that you're like, man, I just wish there was somebody there to help me in this. Help me, maybe, it's a, maybe it is a sin struggle. Maybe you're like, man, I'm addicted to something. I just can't figure it out. Or maybe it's just like, golly, And I'm just struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with this. Maybe, man, man, I've I've lost a loved one. I don't know. Maybe it's just a struggle in your marriage. I don't know. But we all need somebody to just give us a spot sometimes. And here's the good news is, is you don't have to do it alone. God isn't just telling you, push harder. Get the weight up. Come on. He's saying, hey, I've placed my spirit in you. I've... I've given you my word and I've given you my people. Man, a beautiful thing. And he, here's another thing is like, you might be sometimes the person that needs a spot because you're weak, but sometimes you might be the person that needs to get, give somebody else a spot because they're weak. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing too, that God uses you. Man, many times we just need to be reminded of, of, of who we are in Christ, I mean, I I like this quote from Martin Luther. He says, when you cannot feel God's forgiveness, when you can't feel God's forgiveness, you should ask a brother or sister in Christ to speak the word of the gospel to you. Man, that's happened to me many times. Man, I know God loves me. I know this, right? But I'm not really believing it. And I've had people just remind me, man, this is really God. And this is what he thinks about you. Maybe you do need help in, in some sort of marriage or, or a relationship, or maybe you're like, be, maybe you need help in, because you don't have a certain relationship that you want and just being single, losing a job. We're all there for one another. Galatians 6 just says that, carry each other's burdens. Such a beautiful thing. And, and in this, here, here's the great thing about community, is in community, the primary role is to not point to the goodness of the community, but to point to the goodness of God. And that's what we get with one another. Man, I'm pointing you to a greater love than I could ever offer you. I'm pointing you to a greater joy, presence, life in Christ. And and, you know, church, I just want to say thank you. I'm so thankful for the church that God has has made here and has provided for for one another, but provided for me and my family. I mean, I've had my kids quote scripture because of volunteers in kids ministry. And I'm seeing my kid hide God's word in his heart, not because of something I did, but because of somebody else. I mean, I've faced just some tough stuff. And it's just like, somebody's there for me, just praying for me, being with me. Hey, let's just go catch a movie because this stinks. And it's like, man, just thanks for carrying that with me. I've seen you guys just do so so many incredible things, people being willing, so willing to help serve. Help make coffee week after week, help out, hand, hand out brochures, help, help just like, oh, hey, let's put a shelf up here. Hey, what were you thinking about that? Well, I don't know. I wasn't thinking anything. Great. I have this idea. People that are just saying, hey, I'll come and mow the grass. Hey, I'll come and take pictures. Hey, I'll serve, I'll invest my life into the lives of students, in the lives of, of, of kids, city group leaders, week after week, opening up their homes, investing their lives. In others, making sure that, people, that they're sitters, making sure that things are actually organized. People in city groups sharing different perspectives, different truths, walking with people in tough situations, situations people just praying for other people. Man, I, I just want to say thank you, church. I, me, I have grown closer to Christ because of you. I have seen more of Christ because of you, because of God working and living through you. Have you, have you, have you just shared scriptures as you've served? Have you laughed together, prayed for one another, bared each other's burdens? Thank you. It's, I remember somebody telling me this one time, hey, if, if you get into leadership in a church, man, pray for the kind of church that you want to be a part of. Thank you that that's a reality for me. I love you, and just thank you for loving me and my family. So let, let's just you know, continue to be in, and just lean in to being a, a humble, empowered, loving community. And so from here, just, just a few practical steps. Hey, where, where do we go from here? Um, and so I just say, hey, just keep in mind this is, again, this is God's plan. This is what he died for. Um, and so, hey, if you're, you know, some of you might be like, hey, Ricky, that's great for you that you're experiencing all these things. I'm not. I'm not experiencing this family or community. Then I'd just say, then just get involved in some way or some sort of fashion. Check out a city group. Just try it. Join a huddle. Find somewhere to serve. Invite, maybe you're kind of in a city group a little bit. I'd just say invite somebody over to your house. Go for lunch, go for coffee, something, but take a step. Or I just say, even just pray. Start asking, God, man, I want community. Help this grow in my life. Man, I have anxiety about this. This seems intimidating. I'm supposed to share life with people? Ah, you know, ask God to help you in that. Um, don't, Don't feel like you have to do it all at once, but I just say, just take a step. Here's something else to keep in mind. It takes time. I think we'd all love for it's like, man, I hopped into church, and then the next day it was like, bam, it's family. But it just takes time. It takes commitment. If you go to church or to city Group once a month, I would just say you're probably going to get once a month results, right? It just takes time to foster those relationships, to foster trust, to foster belonging. And so be consistent. Uh, give it time. Uh, third thing, have realistic expectations in this. The body of Christ is not going to love you perfectly. I will disappoint you. God has ultimate wisdom. I do not. Right? Neither does anybody in here. And so just um, sometimes, yeah, people will disappoint you in that. Being a family is messy. Being a family is hard. People will bother you at times. Sometimes you have relationships that are more about you giving. Sometimes they're about more about you receiving. Sometimes they're pretty mutual. You know, again, the point of community isn't community. The point is, is Christ. And so we're not perfect, but we're pointing each other to the one who is. If you are experiencing, so here's another practical step for, for lots of you. If you are experiencing community, you know, maybe it's, again, not perfect. Maybe you want it to grow, but you're like, hey, it's pretty good. Invite someone into it. Because you might be experiencing that, but I guarantee you there's somebody else that's not. I mean, again, we were even praying for this and thinking about this this morning as a staff. There are people that could walk into into church doors or even into your city group and they don't feel welcome. They They feel like this whole thing is foreign. And So go talk to somebody. Don't make it just about you and your circle and the people that you know. Hey, how can you reach out to somebody else? And just invite them into it. Reach out. And so, Man, let's let's be a community, a family to belong to, that we're not here to consume, but we're here to contribute in this. Man, isn't this the kind of community that we all long for? I mean, if you really think about it, right? We all watch those shows, and we yearn for it, we like it, we want it, and we do want it. We do want it here in our midst. But here's the good news in this is where does this come out of? Therefore, verse one, in light of God's mercies, because of who Christ is, because of what Christ has done, and we could be transformed, we could be this different kind of people. The only way that we could be a loving community is knowing how much Christ has already loved us. You love because Christ loved us for first, and so rooting ourselves in the love of God, and what he's done for us, that's gonna move us towards being the kind of community that God wants to have and that we ultimately want to have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, um, we thank you, Lord, that um, yeah, that we don't have to do life alone, that, that we can be doing this together, loving one another, um, pursuing one another, having these different gifts that, that encourage one another, that build one another up. Lord, I pray that you would Just continue to build that here, continue to foster that here. Uh, Help us to lean into it, to move towards it. Um, Give us the strength to do that. Um, And Lord, again, we just thank you that this all happens, Lord, not just because like, hey, we just have to go make something happen, but because of what you have done for us in view of God's mercy. And so we praise you for that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.